0: Um, just pray that the Lord would just use his word to give us strength and to change us into his image. So in Micah uh, chapter 6, 8, here's what it says. It says, no, old people, The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So so I want to just try to accomplish two things. We want to learn about recognizing God's warnings to repent. By the way, in the Minor Prophets, there's 12 of them. Their message, one single message, goes throughout all the minor prophets. Obviously, it's Jesus, because Jesus is in every book of the Bible. I put that in your notes. But there's also another message, and that was that he, the prophets, whether it was Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, or Malachi, the Lord wanted one message to get through to them, and that is he wanted them to repent change their directions become more about revival more about reconciliation and so he says there in micah that i want you to do what to love mercy i want you to do what is right and to walk humbly and uh that falls under this category of just being responsive to the lord's warnings to repent and then the second thing i want to accomplish is we want to just start an internal revival an internal revolution in all of us each of us where we're committed we're committed to getting better we're committed to getting stronger where you personally commit to a revolution of change a revolution that lord i'm going to be on fire for you i i am just just commit i'm tired of being a Laodicean Christian. I'm tired of being lukewarm. As it says in, in Revelation chapter three, he says, I would that you were hot or cold, that your works were hot or cold, but you are neither. You Because you're lukewarm, he said in Revelation three, I'm gonna spew you out of my mouth. And the problem with that is, is that God does not like lukewarmness. God does not like mediocrity. Are you with me? He doesn't like us being casual. He doesn't like us being semi-committed. He wants us to be completely committed. Let me just read that in its entirety because verses, I think it's 14 and 15 of Revelation 3. Here's what it says. This is the message to the church at Laodicea. I'll be very brief. He says, I I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And he says just before that, in his message to the church at at Sardis, he says, wake up in verse 2 of Revelation 3. And watch this. He says, strengthen those things that remain they're about to die. So it's a warning. It's a warning very similar to Joel and Amos and Obadiah and Bacca and Micah and Nahum that we strengthen what's going right and build up on that. Amen. That we start strengthening that and we build up on that. I see I underline that part. He wants us to do what's right, to love mercy. And to walk humbly with your god and i kind of think that you could make the case that to do what's right includes what does that mean doing what right means loving mercy and walking humbly with the guy listen here's here was one of the problems of ancient israel during the minor prophets they had two major issues number one they neglected the widows and the poor and the orphans they were horrible toward them they took advantage of them they cheated them they robbed them they conned them out of their land and their, out of their property and their cattle. And so they were very disrespectful to the people that were struggling. The weakest members of their society were the ones that they took advantage of the most. And the second problem they had was worshiping idol gods, going after gods that were man-made and created in their own imagination or by their own hands. And those were the things that God wanted to Get them to stop. Love mercy. Take care of the poor. Take care of the widows, the orphans, those that are struggling in the community. And number two, walk humbly with your God, capital G, not lowercase g. Amen? Okay. So that was one of the things that they didn't do well. It was one of the things that God wanted them to do well. Here's the next thing. I like what Habakkuk says, another one of those minor prophets. He says, revive thy work, revival. And that's really what the message is about. It's about revival because that's what is missing to me in today's society. Churches and members, Christians, are just in a state of going with the flow. And it's either that people are just casually going along with life, or they're just trying to check a box. And the Lord wants us to have a sense of urgency. I'm going to talk about that in a second. In the book of Joel, I think that's Joel. Joel, he says that... After doing these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. This is basically a prophecy of the Lord saying what he's going to do with people. What he's going to do with his people primarily. And that's a promise, by the way, that came true in Acts chapter 2 when the Lord poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, that was the beginning of the fulfillment of this prophecy in Joel. And actually you'll see in your notes where I talked about how the Lord Jesus is mentioned in all the minor prophets. In the, in the uh, For the book of Joel, the prophecy was the Lord sent his spirit to his people. And of course, that's a, a prophetic word that came about through the book of acts chapter two the lord also mentioned that when he returns to his father he will send the comforter on our behalf look if you will just for a couple more minutes at ephesians chapter 5 turn to verse 15 of ephesians 5. ephesians 5 15 new testament but it still makes a point that's made by the prophets and Ephesians chapter 5:15 Just say man when you get there I'm going to read it here's what it says Look carefully then now how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil Therefore do not be foolish But understand what the will of the Lord is. And by the way, when you say, what's the will of the Lord? We kind of looked at that earlier. The will of the Lord, according to the minor prophet Micah, was this is what the Lord requires. To do what is right. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Kind of says it all. Because all that we do for the Lord could be summed up in that verse. Paul echoes that, and he says, make the best use of your time in verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 5, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always, saints, for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I like this lot. This verse twenty-one, it says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That. I mean, Paul does a beautiful job of summing up what it means to be in revival, what it means to have a personal resolution, revolution rather, what it means to be able to go from being lukewarm or mediocre or satisfactory to being on fire. And here's how we do, here's how we do it here's how we become filled with the Spirit, here's how we become under the total control of the Spirit. The way we do it is number one, He says, by addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, he says, making melody in our heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for everything, not complaining about this or that, but being grateful, being submitted to one another, being appreciative for what God has done and what he's doing in our lives. Amen? It's so easy to complain. It's so easy to be ungrateful. It's so easy to be discontent, but God is so good. And we have no right at all to complain or be upset about our struggles and our hardships because he's overwhelmingly good to us. And the enemy wants us to be inundated with problems The enemy wants us to be distracted with issues so that we can't contemplate God's goodness. But that would be a mistake. Amen. So let me just show you another slide along those lines. Okay, so these minor prophets, Hosea. Joel Amos. And by the way, the minor prophets are not just a contemporary book that we can books that we can learn something from historically. To me, they're all pertinent to August 2021. They're relative to today. So when you read these books, when you read them, Look at how they compare to what's going on in 2021, because I think they're very, I think they're very, very relevant. From from and and then there's a, a one of the aspects of their relevancy is how the Lord gives us all, ancient Israel and us, essentially. And I'll close with this thought: three commodities. I I use the word commodities because. I think a commodity is a good description of what we have. It's something that's valuable. It's something that's limited in quantity. And it's something that's readily available to everyone. I use an example of water or an example of time. So if you look at three commodities, here's here's number one. God gives us time time to get our act together, time to live for him, time to repent, time for revival, time to come to our senses. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalms 90, verse 12. I know it's kind of small, so you can look at it in your Bibles. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. That means teach us to be mindful that we don't have an unlimited amount of time down here on this planet. Time is short. I tell you, the the more home goings that I do and the more funeral services that I'm a part of, the more aware that I am how short time is. Young people, old people, middle-aged people, death is indiscriminate. When our time is up, our time is up. There is no extending it. Let's make the best use of it. Don't squander it. Don't waste it. Don't be like Israel, constantly ignoring. Not only did they ignore all the prophets, they killed them all. All of these guys died a martyr's death. I'm just amazed at that, and I'm just appalled how callous we are to the word of the Lord and the messengers of the Lord. Psalms 139, 16, David said, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. Every one of what? The days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Explain that is simply this. God knew us. He made preparations. He understood our days. He wrote down in advance what was going to happen. And God knew our beginning and our end when there were neither of them." So time is limited. We have a finite amount of time. Paul says, redeem the times. Take advantage of the time you have. I believe that's over in Ephesians also. We didn't talk about it, but he made a very specific request to make the best in verse 16 of Ephesians 5. He said, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Time is short. So he says, redeem the time, making best use of the time. The the Greek word there, actually, I put that in your notes. I didn't talk about it, but making the best use of the time is, is a word that refers to taking advantage of or redeeming. The actual Greek word is. Is Agazaro and it's spelled E-X-A-G-O-R-A-Z-O. I believe it's in your notes. And what it means is redeeming or buying back. It means to consume. And when I think of that, I think of the word redemption. Remember Hosea in chapter three? The the Bible says that Hosea purchased back his wife from the men that her lovers that she owed money. Matter of fact, I, I have it here. Hosea chapter three, verse two says, so I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. Hosea was purchasing back Gomer and telling her that in spite of the fact that you went out and you were with other lovers. I am not only going to pay your debt, I'm not, gonna, I'm not only gonna bring you back into our house, but I'm going to love you and honor you and treat me as, your, as, your, as my wife in spite of what you've done. And what a beautiful picture. This whole thing was just a, a, a symbol. It was a metaphor. It was an analogy of the Lord loving us when we've rebelled against him, when we've followed after other lovers, when we've taken our affection that should have gone to him and we gave it to others and other things and other people and other entities, God said, you know what? I'm still going to take you back. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to forgive you. I'm still going to bring you back into my presence and call you my own. Boy, that's that's a God. I don't know any other gods. I'm not that familiar with any a lot of other gods, but I tell you, I can't imagine any of them having that kind of love and patience and compassion and tolerance. None. So, so this thing of time, we have a limited amount of time. We only can use the time that we have. Some of us may get three score and 70, some of us may get more than 70 years, three-score and 10, some of us may get less, but whatever we have. Paul says the word says we should redeem it and use it to God's glory. Amen. Here's here's uh, the next thing that he gives us the next commodity. In addition to time, he gives us space. I put space here because space is one of those situations where it doesn't mean out of space. I'm not talking about Mars, the ionosphere, the stratosphere the atmosphere. I'm talking about where we are, where we live. You know what I mean? Right Right here. I thought of an example. I don't know if you can see this sheet. You know how you go to a mall sometimes? Well, back when we could go to malls, <laughs> can't do that anymore. You go to a mall. I'll move this over just so that you go to a mall and you, you'll see it. You look on a little map of the mall somewhere in the center of the mall you'll find this little diagram or directory and it'll tell you where all the stores are remember that so you'll see something like okay footlocker is here the gap is here old navy is here sears is here whatever and you're right here But this lets you know where you are in relationship to these other areas. Here's the beautiful thing about space. We can only be in one place at one time. So God says, we're here. We're responsible for where we are, where we live, where we reside. Our work, our assignment, our opportunities, our labor for the Lord is right where we are in your home in your neighborhood, in your community, on your job, in your school, that's where our work is. We're not responsible for what's going on in New Zealand or New Mexico. We're responsible for right here, right where we are. God has given us this time in this space for such a time as this. Mordecai, I let Esther know, hey, look, God brought you here for a reason. You're a part of the king's harem. You're the queen for a reason to save people. And if God and if you don't do it, God will find somebody else and He'll raise them up and you'll be lost. Amen. Speaking of that, remember when Elijah with a J got off course and left God and decided to go and hide in a cave? We spent a lot of time talking about that. Remember that? when he was going to hide in a cave, and God told him, I believe it was over in 2 Kings, God said, where are you? What are you doing here? Why are you here? <laughs> God said, what are you doing in this place? You're not in the right space because the work is not here, Elijah. The service, your assignment is not here. Your assignment is back where the people are. Your assignment is in Israel. Your assignment is in Judah. You're in the wrong location. He said, what are you doing here? I think that's, yeah, 2 Kings 19.9. What are you doing here? And he started to give the Lord the excuses. But the bottom line that I wanted you to take away with is that God has put us in this place to minister, to work, to serve, to be a witness right here. Amen. Okay, last point. There's one more thing. There's one more commodity that the Lord gives us, and that's opportunity. That's the privilege of serving God, the privilege of working. Work is a privilege. Peter says here in 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards. Paul backs that up in Galatians 6.10, which we're going to be getting here pretty soon, because Brother Beecham is coming down the home stretch on Galatians, and we'll let him. Uh, it says, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men. So God gives us time. You all with me on these commodities? I'm, I'm wrapping it up. He gives us time. He gives us space. That is the place that we work, the area, the field, the mission field. And then he gives us work, the assignment itself, opportunity. Opportunity to serve him, opportunity, to listen, to serve each other, opportunity to help each other, opportunity to further the cause of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so in Matthew 25 you have this amazing parable of the talents where the Lord gave the, the Lord being in the in the role of the the, uh, the the man or the king that was going on a journey according to Matthew 25:14 and he called his three servants and said look I'm going to give one of you five talents by the way a talent a talent was worth 20 years wages So this was a lot of money. A talent was worth in this particular parable 20 years wages. He gave one of them one talent. He gave one of them two talents and he gave one of them. How many? Five talents, right? Five, two and one. The talents in this particular parable represent opportunity doesn't represent gifts. It doesn't represent talent. It doesn't represent ability. It represents opportunity. We all have different gifts. We have different abilities. We have different skill sets, but God gives all of us the same proportionate amount of opportunity to the abilities that he's given us. You notice he didn't give the man with five talents He didn't give the man with one talent the same responsibility that he gave the one with five. He didn't say, when I come back, you better have 10 talents. No, he was supposed to do what he needed to do with one talent as the men with two and five talents did. The bottom line was the one with one talent didn't do anything. The Bible says that he buried it. That is, he was neglectful. He he wasn't industrious. He didn't invest. He was lazy. He was unbelieving and did not use the opportunity God had given him. But the one with two talents and the one with five talents increased 100%. They doubled their investment. That is, they took what God had given them, and they were obedient to the master, and they went out and they increased. They made a profit. They increased that they provided a return on their investment. And the reward, ladies and gentlemen, the reward was the same. They both received the same commendation. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdoms of the Lord. And he said, because you've been faithful over few things, he said, I'm going to give you now responsibility over many So the Lord rewards us the same, regardless of what our talent level is, regardless of what our skill set is. He doesn't punish you because you can't do this or you can't do that. He doesn't punish you because you don't have John Doe's skill set. We're only punished when we don't do what we're supposed to do. Each of us have a certain ability and each of us have a certain assignment that God wants us to do. And just like ancient Israel, they failed in doing it, and God led them into captivity. If we don't do what God wants us to do, we could be in trouble with the Lord, and we could be punished. We will be punished or chastised accordingly. But he gives us this opportunity to do what he wants us to do. I'm very excited about taking this talent, whatever whatever opportunity not ability, not gift, not endowment, but whatever opportunity the Lord gives us, whatever he gives me, I I pray that I will use it to his glory. I pray there will be a 100% or 100-fold return on that investment. But I pray that you and I both will take this opportunity to do what God wants us to do, to be productive, to be fruitful, to multiply. Amen? So the Monday morning moment, I think I have that up here. The Monday morning moment is hopefully you have it in your notes. The Monday morning moment is the revival. Or I don't know if you some of you may not have been around at this time. There was a saying back in the 60s that the revolution won't be televised. And that was basically a, a sort of the original Black Lives Matter Uh a, a black movement, a social movement, primarily by Malcolm and Martin Luther King and the Black Panthers. And there was this saying going about that the revolution won't be televised. And 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 I just piggybacked on that idea and said, but neither will revival, because true revival takes place inside. True revival occurs in our heart. The revolution, the revival to turn and return to God takes place in our heart. It starts with a commitment that I'm going to live for the Lord. It starts with a a commitment of contrition and repentance. It starts with a commitment of of, uh, basically, uh, as David said, that he purposed in his heart that he would serve the Lord. And that's what revival, that's what revolution is all about, starting in the heart with a changed heart. Change my heart, O Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask that you would change our heart. We ask you, Lord, for revival. We ask you, Lord, for revolution. We ask you, Lord, to help us to heed the warnings that you give us through your word, to get on fire, to move from mediocrity, to move from casual Christianity, to move from lukewarmness, to people with a passion for you, to people that will be on fire for you to people that will be committed to you, that will be excited about you. Give us that thrill that we got when we, that we had when we first accepted you. Give us that enthusiasm that you gave us at the time of our conversion. Give us that zeal that we had, Lord, when we accepted you and we were starting our walk with you. Give us that, that just, burning desire to want to be pleasing in your sight. Give us just an unquenchable thirst, an insatiable appetite for you. Help us, Lord, to filter out all the din and noise that's in the world, in the streets, and to focus on you. Change our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So I'm going to ask if um, just a Christian would come with our closing hymn.